Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday um, and welcome. Thank you for joining us uh, today as we dive into our message. Um, we're going to be going into our third message in the series, Transform, and I'm really excited about it. If y'all know me uh, and the line of work that I do, uh, it's really cool to see how the Bible and the very principles and concepts that we're going to be discussing today, um, are, which have been around for years, for centuries, um, are the staple, right, in some of the work that I do. Um, and today's message, we're going to be focusing on the transformation or transforming our mind. Uh, we live in an age now where mental health and mental well-being, well-being rather, is at its highest point in prevalence. Um, when I was growing up, there was a huge stigma connected to mental health and mental wellness. If you acknowledge your mental health and mental wellness in any sort of way, it was seen as a weakness. It was seen as something um, that made you crazy. And now, flash forward some 25 some odd years, mental health and wellness is just as important as physical health and wellness to the point where a lot of our insurance carriers actually allocate and provide um, uh, uh, insurance for mental health services, which is really cool. And if you didn't know that and you have insurance, call your insurance provider and find out if you're eligible to receive uh, or go to a therapist or receive regularly scheduled mental health services based off of your insurance. There you go. Um, the Bible really goes deep into the importance of understanding what's going on in our mind. And last week we talked about what happens in our heart. And if you remember, I said uh, that while a lot of times the issues that we have are rooted in our hearts, the branches and the trunk of those issues often take up space in our mind. Our mind is a complex machine. Really, our mind is a, like the most fascinating computer out there. I know that um, we all have computers that can do this, this, that, and the third, and um, that are powerful machines. But when we think about the capability of the mind, it is really the most complex machine that we have. It has the ability to create and formulate, and also has the ability ability to tear down and destroy. It has the ability to soak up and absorb, while also having the ability to detach or dissociate. dissociate. And as we venture into today, I want for us to grapple with this state of our mind. Christians often struggle with what it with what takes place in their mind, whether it is thoughts about their well-being or their community or their existence or what's going on in politics or whatever, whatever you want to insert in there. When you speak to a lot of Christians or believers, you realize that their struggle with their faith is often as a result of the war that's being waged within their mind. So the goal of today is to refine our minds, transforming them into a useful tool that propels us closer to holy living and being more like Christ, instead of conforming our mind to worldly or fleshly ways of thinking and living. And with that, let's just jump right in. The first thing I want to acknowledge today or, or highlight today is that we have to acknowledge and accept the shortcomings of our earthly mind. Now, this is an interesting place for us to start. Um, and if you're like most people, you're like, hey, Lionel, uh, why are you talking about accepting the shortcomings of our mind? If the point is to have a better mind, transform mind, why the heck do I want to accept a mind that has shortcomings? Well, absolutely. I want for us to have a transformed mind, but the first step to getting a transformed mind is recognizing the shortcomings of our current mind state or mind. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about a trainer, and if you wanted to get into shape and some of the processes that are connecting into getting to shape and transforming your body, right? Your physical body. Uh, one of the things that trainers will do to help you understand the areas of your body that are in need of change 
is they assess and understand the current status of your body. Some trainers may ask you to take before pictures, you know, before and after. They want you to take the before picture. Some trainers may ask you to record your starting measurements for different parts of your body. They might have you measure your biceps or your waist or certain target areas that you're looking to target. And some may even ask you to perform certain baseline exercises to examine the current status of your abilities and to see where your shortcomings are. They might make you run a mile and see how long it takes you or uh, do a certain amount of push-ups or lift a certain amount of weight. All this is done in order to help you understand and even deeper, accept the current standing or limitations of your body. If you've ever gone through that afterwards, when you think you're supposed to hit a certain benchmark and you fall well below that, like the truth kind of hits you in the face. Wow, I did not do as well as I thought I should do with that. And when it comes to our mind, we have a tendency to live in a state of denial or ignorance about what may be happening or what may not be happening in there. How many times have you been confronted by a situation or you've war or you've not chosen to and you've not chosen rather to think about that situation and the details surrounding it because doing so may cause you to face other aspects or details that you weren't ready for or maybe the opposite how many times have you been fixated on a thought or event that you helplessly think about it without even realizing that you're doing so and then when someone confronts you and says hey what are you thinking about you're like uh, nothing. I'm not thinking about anything. I got, I got lost in my thought. And you really can't even pinpoint what you're thinking about. Uh, no matter what the situation is and where you fall in this scale or this spectrum, it is important that you come to a place where you are willingly able to acknowledge and accept the shortcomings of your mind, of your human mind. The Bible speaks about the fickleness and weakness of the mind all the time, all over the place. And, and, and what is in, in this sense, it talks about the fleshly mind. What is the fleshly mind? The fleshly mind is a mind that has been impacted by the desires and impulses of its body, as well as a mind that has soaked up the material of the world around it. Let me just make sure you understand. Um, a sponge soaks up whatever material that is around it. If you place a sponge in water, cloop, it soaks it up. If you place a sponge in oil, cloop, it soaks it up. If you place a sponge in gasoline, Gloop, it, it, it soaks it up. It just responds to the environment that it has been placed in. And oftentimes that is where we find our mind. As a result of that, it falls on your shoulders, my shoulders and your shoulders, to accept the fact that your mind is going to struggle with what your heart and body feels, as well as what your five senses take in from the world around you. I really want to normalize this for a second, y'all. Sit with me and take this in. Unfortunately, the church traditionally has not done the greatest job in understanding the human condition, right? Uh, when I was growing up, there was a lot of messaging and understanding that if you have certain thoughts, you're not holy enough. Or if a thought, po a thought pops into your head, you're not good enough. Or if that thought exists, you haven't met a certain benchmark or criteria of what it means to be a true Christian. And unfortunately, messages that were intended to help us move our minds towards a higher altitude of Christ-like living instead made us feel unworthy, failing to recognize and highlight the difficulty 
of navigating through this world without your mind and thoughts being implicated or impacted. This is particularly so for our current generation. Y'all, we are in information overload. Like, there is an abundant and overabundance of information. If you turn your head to the left, information. Turn your head to the right, information. Our world is oversaturated with content, right? Even if you look at pop culture right now, everybody wants to be a content creator. They want to further saturate uh, uh, um, the, the market or society with things that they've created. Um, and even deeper than that, a lot of the content that you have taken in or some content, especially, especially in advertising and marketing, they contain subliminal messaging. And that subliminal messaging or latent messaging um, has a way of conditioning and creating the mind to be able to think or even desire certain things due to that exposure of that messaging. So hear me out. Encountering fleshly thoughts is a part of your human experience. It's going to happen. Y'all, we're imperfect. We are not perfect beings. We are, we are, we are flawed. We are fallible. Uh, we are malleable. We, we are permeable, right? And as a result of that, there are things that we just take in. And sometimes those thoughts just pop in. Let me give you an example. Have you ever had a random thought that you're like, what the heck? Where did that thought come from? Why did I have this thought? Where in the heck could this thought have, have popped in from? Those oftentimes are as a result of just being a part of human life, interacting with humanity and with society. The thing that's, that shifts this interaction, though, is when we believe that we can deal with these thoughts, right? These unwanted or uncomfortable thoughts without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we get into back and forths about what we're able to do and not do, what we're able to control and not control based off of the way that we think we what we can do, what we're capable of. Um, I've worked in, a, uh, in this line of work that I do. Um, it's very rare that I see people overcome obstacles in their lives without the support of other people. Nine, nine, nine times or 99 times out of 100, rather, uh, most people need some support, right? Most people come to therapy because they need support to get over what they have to get over, the, the thing that they're cha that's challenging them. But I had this one client who had a really, really tough situation that they had to get over. And I asked them questions about how they got over that situation because they overcame it before they came to therapy. And they said, just willpower. I just did it on my own. And I asked a bunch of questions. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you go here? Did you go there? Did you get any some sort of support? They said, no, I just woke up one day and I made a decision and I was done. That's really rare. Especially when it comes to our mind. Especially when it comes to the way that we think. Y'all, we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit um, being the one, that doctor that can transform our hearts. He's also the one that can come in and reform and refine our minds. Romans 8 verse 6 says this thing that I want us to understand. Those who think that they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Did y'all hear that? Oftentimes when we have thoughts that, we, that, that make us uncomfortable or we know that aren't right, we think that some way, somehow, we're going to get over it. 
whether we ignore it, whether we push it to the side, whether we minimize it, we think that there's a way that we can get over it. But the thing is, you are unable to change your thinking from one that is fleshly to one that is spiritual on your own. So let me say that one more time for you listening. Get it through your head. You can't do this on your own. You can't refine your mind by yourself. You need the assistance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, your trainer, to be able to do it. You ever been so dedicated to losing weight or getting in shape? And like we said a couple of weeks ago, you start doing what you're doing and it starts off really well and then you plateau and you can't do it anymore. And then you have to go talk to that trainer, that person who understands and knows the body. And they go and they say, this is where you need to do better. That is where you need to do better. If you change this here, if you take this there, if you leave this out here, you'll begin to shift. And all of a sudden, this person who is guiding you, who is leading you, is able to help you achieve the sense of transformation physiologically that you've been looking for. The Holy Spirit does the same thing with our mind. But in order for that to happen, it requires transparency with the Holy Spirit. It requires honesty and vulnerability with God the Father through his Spirit. So what I'm going to ask for you to do right now, as we continue on the message, is visualize that one area. You know it, that thought, that reoccurring thought, or that latent thought, or that thought that you try to dismiss, that constantly pops up. Identify it and be transparent. And right now where you are, I want you to say, Lord, I know this thought, this thought of fill in the blank. Here it is. Lord, I know this thought. This thought of. Here it is. You see, now it takes us into a second step. So after we've recognized that our mind has shortcomings, earthly and fleshly shortcomings, the next step to that is to begin to actually refine it. And refinement requires renunciation. Hmm, let's get into this. Refinement of the mind requires intentional declaration against the things of our body, our experiences, and our environment that seek to infiltrate our existence. What does that mean? It means that you have made an active, engaging, ongoing decision to ignore, walk away, or push away those earthly elements that often cause us to take our mind off of Christ. Hmm. Let's listen again to uh, to Romans 12, 2. We already read it, but let's let's look at the New Living Translation. I like the way they say this. They say this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will, will then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Y'all, 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 hold up and take that in. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Let's let's dive into that for a second. This is important for us to recognize. It doesn't say stop the ways and customs of the world from ever coming into your mind. It doesn't say these things should never exist. What it does say is don't copy, don't replicate, don't emulate. You see, where many of us get messed up is the fact that we begin to copy the ways, customs, and methods of the world, and we accept it into our own ideology and methodology. 
As a result, we end up choosing to believe and hold on to thoughts that contradict and go against the very nature and essence of God and the Holy Spirit. And these thoughts, these little thoughts, these little notions, these little perceptions that we hold on to that are in line with the world end up having ripple effects that impact our ability and willingness to think spiritually. Let me let me say that one more time, y'all. These little thoughts end up taking real estate, taking up space in our mind and impact the ability for our mind to be transformed. Hmm. If you want to transform a room in your house, what's one of the first things that you got to do? You have to begin to remove what are already exists in there. You have to say, I no longer want this. I no longer want things the way that they are. And as a result, I am going to get rid of this status quo, the way that things have been done here. And I am going to begin to remove, declare that these things no longer belong here. Uh, the issue that then pops up is that when we choose not to do and, and renounce those things that, that come into play, right? The the fleshly things, those thoughts that enter our being, we subconsciously accept things that shouldn't be accepted. The message version says this really, really well. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Wow, that's really remarkable. How many times have we accepted something and we don't even realize that it's become a part of the way that we see, view, and think about God, spirituality, and the world? When your mindset confirms culture instead of Christ, you're in need of refinement. And y'all, don't get it twisted. Culture is not just the macro culture. Sometimes we have this belief that culture is just like what happens in society. But culture also exists uh, within the macro culture. There's micro cultures that also exist. Family groups, friend circles, so, uh, social circles, religious or political groups that begin to also influence the way that you think. Culture and experiences within these little cultural groups sometimes push us to believe things about ourselves or about God that aren't true. Whether it is who we are as a person or people, how our emotions are, how we should navigate or interact with people, whether we like them or dislike them. And again, what happens is that eventually those exchanges lead to thoughts that will impact the way that you see God. You must be willing to push culture away and let God transform the way you think. This literally means that you have to fix your attention, your literal attention on Jesus. What does that mean? I am reminded of a, football is my favorite sport. So I'm reminded of a ball carrier in football. Whether it's a receiver or a running back, I always prefer the running back. Um, once the ball is caught or secured or carried, right, and it's in their it's in their possession, it is important that the ball carrier remain focused on getting downfield. His attention must be fixed on getting downfield, getting to the end zone. 
And when their attention is fixed on the goal ahead, they now begin the pursuit, the push towards the end zone. Now, that does not mean that they are unaware of the defenders that are coming to try and get them. Are they aware that there's people that are coming from their left, from their right, from behind, from in front, that are trying to stop them from getting to where they need to get to? Absolutely, they're aware. But no matter the circumstance, their thought is, I need to do what I need to do to get to that end zone. I may get pushed. I I may get moved. But my goal is to get to the end zone. Listen to what the message version says in some later verses in Romans chapter uh, in, uh, in, in Romans chapter 12. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Mm developing well-formed maturity in you. You see, some of us have struggled because when it comes to getting to that next level with God and maturity and faith, we allow for our the wrong thoughts to become our preoccupation and we get stuck on the wrong thing. And that keeps God from doing what he needs to do to install new wiring and new thinking into your mind to transform and refine your mind. Many people move into homes, right, with a lot of potential. And they get excited at the prospect of what this house could be or will be. We could do this over here. We could do that over here. We can redo the basement. We could blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Oh, we can install these lightings and these fixtures and repaint. And maybe we can do an open concept and tear down this wall. And they get, because they watch too much HGTV, which by the way, HGTV is wonderful. The older I get, the more I love HGTV. Chip and Joanna Gaines, I love what I see them doing. It's like absolutely fantastic. And that other show, what's the other show? Um, uh, sell it or I forget. The one where you either keep your house or you sell your house. But all those shows are fantastic, right? So it gives you these ideas of what you can do in your house. But when it comes time to begin the work, many people come short and struggle with getting the work done. Because doing the work means that there's going to be a moment of discomfort. You see, they've already taken up uh, uh, taken up their residence in this home, and they've grown accustomed to the flaws and imperfections in the environment. They adjust to the environment around them. And refining that house, changing it and transforming it into some place where they can really call home means that walls need to be ripped up and torn down. It means that wires may need to be pulled. It means troubleshooting through problems that you find behind the walls that you didn't know existed and asking questions. It requires rooms of the house to be barred off and not have access to. It requires moving furniture out of the way so that space can be created for the workers to do their job. It requires dealing with dust and debris that ends up piling everywhere that now needs to be cleaned up. And similarly, We sometimes don't let God transform our mind because of all that will require and how how it will make us uncomfortable. 
We don't want to have to deal with God exposing the thoughts that come out and saying this needs to be rewired or the way that you're thinking about this needs to shift or I need to pull this out of you. I need to take this from you. I need to rewire and rework. You didn't know that behind this wall in your mind that this thought existed and now I'm taking it and as God does that, it can get messy in our mind and we can feel conflicted and confused and there's a lot of trouble that we often go through because God is tearing up the foundations or the the, the inner workings of our mind. But let me tell you something. In order for our minds to be refined, we have to be willing to go through this process. And Lord, if I renounce the world's way of thinking, this fleshly way of thinking, God, if you're going to begin to transform my mind, I'm going to have to deal with the things that I've grown comfortable with, that I've grown accustomed to. God, if you're going to transform my mind, I'm going to have to confront the ideals that have been erected in my mind that go directly against who you are and what your character is. God, if you begin to transform my mind, there's going to be a part of me that wants to hold on to certain things because not having those ideas and those thoughts as comfort is scary to me. Lord, if you if you transform my mind, I'm going to have to relearn myself because these thoughts are all I've ever known. And while the process of mental transformation has its difficulties, when we choose to say no to culture and its customs and its ways and its ideals, and we give God the opportunity to transform our mind, when we renounce culture and the way that we've done things in the past and the way that we've thought about things in the past, and we give God the real estate of our mind, we give him the opportunity to set in and refine and shift our thinking. And when this happens, you are able to better navigate through the world and find out what it is that God actually wants for you to do and to be. And lastly, as your mind is being refined, take control of your thoughts. Mm -mm -mm, Here we go. Perhaps the most important part in your process, in this process, this is where we have to have an active role in controlling the thoughts that come in and out of our mind. Remember, as we talked about last week, our heart and our mind are connected. So whatever comes and comes in and takes space in our mind eventually gets rooted in your heart. And whatever is rooted in your heart can and will subtly or very loudly appear in your mind at a later time. Why is this important? The mind and heart act in concert together and they predicate often how we behave and the decisions that we make and choose. In the psychological world, uh, there's a modality called Uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT for short. And in a nutshell, CBT says that our thoughts lead to feelings and our feelings lead to our actions and our behaviors. And one of the main tenets of CBT is that we become aware or cognizant of thoughts in our minds that are negatively impacting us. And we take active steps to reframe, reform, and replace those thoughts with more positive thoughts. Hopefully, impacting our thoughts and having uh, more positive thoughts that change our feelings to more positive feelings and change our behaviors to more positive or desirable behaviors and actions. Now, what I always say to people is that uh, CBT has its roots in scripture and scripture recognizes the power of our thought life. Y'all listen real quick to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse three and five. We are human but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Strongholds are things that come into your life and grab you. Often strongholds are ways of thinking, right? Um, 
strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing Christ, from knowing God. We capture their, rebe their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Another version says, we take every thought captive. Mm. Y'all, I can't front. This gets me so hyped. And here's why. This scripture points out elements of human existence. I'm a human being. Paul says, I'm a human being just like you. I breathe just like you. I eat just like you. I interact with people just like you. I interface with the same world that you interface with, but I don't wage war like y'all wage war. When things come up against me, when the enemy shows up and he tries to distract me and disrupt me in my mind with falsehoods or things that are untrue, I speak against those things. And listen up, y'all. He says, I capture those thoughts, those rebellious thoughts. I capture them and I make them obey Christ. I make them subject to Christ's rule. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Walk with me. Those thoughts, they show up. Those doubts, they show up. Those contradictions, they show up. You see, too often we've been told that when we believe the bad thoughts go out the window, that the doubt goes out the window, that the preconceived notions that we carried before Christ go out the window. But Paul is telling you, they will come. Even when we believe thoughts that go against Christ will occur, but through Christ, amen, we can take control of those thoughts. I want to make sure that somebody's listening with me and staying with me here today. Come on, y'all. Paul is saying that when these thoughts these things show up in our mind. I don't give them the space that they need to breathe. I capture them. I take them hostage and I deliver them. Boom. Directly before God through Christ's power. And I say, here you go, Lord. You can have me. Truth be told, some of the thoughts that come against us are actually spiritual warfare. Mm, we're getting into a topic that I can't wait to further get into at another time. Some of the thoughts that end up coming into your mind are actually the invisible uh, enemy that's in this world. The Bible tells us that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and dark forces that are in this world. You can't see them, but they're actually working against you. And as a result, sometimes in a matter of a hope to be able to oppress you or get you and, and, and destroy you from the inside out, you have thoughts that occur that get implanted, which is why Paul's weapon of choice is so important. Paul chooses to fight spiritual uh, warfare with spiritual weapons to win spiritual battles. You must take up spiritual weapons of the mind when war is waged against the way that you think. This is where things like life verses, verses of affirmation come into play. Declaring verses over your current status, your situation, and your way of thinking or your life is important. When you use those verses, you are literally using the Bible, the spoken written word of God, as weapons in your mind to fight and capture the words and the attempts of the enemy to make sure that they have no place in your brain. It, it, what that means is when the thought enters your mind, you immediately engage in that thought with warfare. You don't say that the thought doesn't exist. 
You fight against that thought and you enter into war with it, with the weapons that God has given you, his word and his Holy Spirit. When the enemy tells you that you aren't worthy enough, you can respond with a verse that tells you that you are worthy enough, that God knew everything that was going to happen in your life, that he took time in creating you and saying that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. When the enemy says that you are weak, you can go say, but in my weakness, he is strong. When the enemy says that you come from a family line that comes from nothing, you can refer back to the story of Gideon who thought that he was nothing because his family is nothing, but God still told them, you are a man of valor and you can believe that you are a man or a woman of valor. No matter what your thoughts are, stay with me. You are able to find a verse or scripture to combat that thought. Let me say it again. Whatever your thought is, there is a scripture that God has breathed that speaks to that thought that you're having. And it is not just limited to scripture, y'all. Hmm. You can also use songs of praise and worship to fight your battles. This is how I fight my battles. Y'all know what that's talking about. It's talking about using worship to fight against the enemy. You can use prophetic words or affirmative words that God has given and spoken to you to fight back against those thoughts. And this is why this is so important. God wants you to think on spiritual things, on good things, to be able to combat against the things of the flesh. And the Bible says, finally, in Philippians uh, uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. And when you allow for uh, uh, for spiritual things that are given from God, whether it's praise of worship, whether it's scripture, whether it's affirmative words, whether it's prophetic words, when you meditate on those things, you begin to meditate on the good things, on spiritual things, and you can wage successful war against the enemy in your mind. Uh, when I was uh, had, had an old job, uh, I really had a difficult time with this job. I was going through a really difficult point in my life in April of 2013. There was just, my world was literally crashing around me in many different ways. Um, and I felt myself starting to crash and work really got very, very difficult. Um, there was a, even a point where I felt like I was being targeted at this old job. And I found myself getting anxious. And a lot of times when I get anxious, that anxiety shows up as anger. And I felt on many occasions that I was, I was, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like I got to, I can have a big mouth. Um, I felt like I was just going to go to my boss and let him know it, say it and be like, deuces, I'm out. Live a good life, bro. Um, and not in a Christ like way neither. Um, so I, I really struggled with that. And I began to had to root myself in scripture and God gave me four scriptures at that time that I continue to live my life by Romans 12, one and two are my life verse, but these also became life verses that I live by. Um, Psalm 139 verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your, in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Ephesians 6, verse 23. In your anger, do not sin. And Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your, your requests unto God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And those became my rock. When I felt like I was getting targeted, I just recited one of those verses. When I thought I was going to get angry, I recited a verse. When I became anxious, I recited a verse. When I wanted bad things to happen to particular people, because even as a Christian, sometimes you want bad things to happen to people. Let's be honest. I asked for God to search my heart and try me and help me take out this thing that was causing me to feel this way. And it really 
kept me rooted. And I want the same for you today. Uh, whether it is a song, uh, one of my favorite songs is uh, 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 Give Me Faith by Elevation Worship and Do It Again as well by Elevation Worship. Uh, check out the Elevation Collective version. I like that version a lot, a lot better. Um, but those are songs that keep me grounded and keep me focused. Um, and, I, and I pray the same for you. So in conclusion, as we've been doing with last week, I want to make sure that you walk away with some takeaways that you can implement in your life starting today. First and foremost, Acknowledge and accept those uncomfortable, secret, or even unknown thoughts. And just like with your heart, track your thoughts in a journal. When possible, try to make connections. Step number two, take active steps in renouncing negative thoughts in your life. When you're alone, speak it out loud, right? Actually say it out loud. I do not give place for this thought. I, I speak against this thought. I, I rebuke this thought. This thought is not of me. There is power in your spoken words. And when possible, begin to assess the root or cause of such thoughts. Maybe it's media, maybe it's relationships, environment, or activities. When negative thoughts, number three, when negative thoughts pop into your mind, don't beat yourself up. It's going to happen. Instead, combat those thoughts with the things of God, such as verses, songs, messages, affirmations, and prophetic words. And four, just as with your heart, sometimes you need people to help you sort through your thoughts. Find a trusted person, such as a pastor, a mature Christian, or a therapist to help you do so. Y'all, I wish I can go deeper. And uh, there's this, again, could be uh, pulled out and stretched out over a series of messages. But I hope that today you can begin to envision what it looks like for you to refine your mind. And wherever you are in the process, invite the Holy Spirit to be an active member, to lead the way, just like that trainer does so that your mind can be reformed. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to take you time. But I pray that the Lord works through you and you begin to sense and feel refinement starting from the inside and out. I thank you for joining us today. Uh, God bless you for, for hearing out this message. Um, and next week, y'all, we are actually going to continue, right? We're, we're, we started with the heart. Now we're with the mind and we're going to continue to go out. We're going into the body. You can see the connection now where we're getting to the body. And I can't wait to get into that message. Until then, God bless you. And I'll see you next week.